Hey everyone, this is Klaatu, and this is episode 7 of season 12 of the GNU World Order. I'm currently sitting in the Baltimore-Washington International Airport. Figured I would do an episode. Well, I, I had prepared something, and that was the find episode. But I forgot that I was flying out on Monday of this week, which is today. Somehow I thought I'd be in New Zealand already. I don't know why I thought that, but there you have it. So I figured, well, why not? I'll just do a quick episode just to get one done uh, in the airport, which is what I'm doing right now. So, if you hear announcements or uh, airport background music, that's actual location sound. I'm not stitching that together, amazingly. So, without any kind of preparation, I mean, I don't want to talk about find um, without a computer in front of me so that I can actually demonstrate things, so I won't do that. And, and the only other thing that I can think to talk about on, on such short notice, and by short I mean I knew this all well in advance by at least several months, but let's just assume that we're calling it short notice, uh, is, is my new ebook reader. And I don't normally talk about something like this on GNU World Order. Kind of feel like ebook reviews, or, or rather, ebook reader reviews, would be more appropriate for Hacker Public Radio because that's kind of a general technology thing. But this is this is kind of an interesting one, nevertheless. So we'll 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 get into it a bit. For Hacker Public Radio, I had at one point done a Kobo, I think it was a N905 E or something like that ebook reader. The thing that appealed to me about this ebook reader, the Kobo ebook reader was that it was an e-ink display. And if you don't know what e-ink is, you, you probably do, but I'll just quickly mention it. It is, it's a, they say, a paper white screen. And when they say screen, they almost just mean to, to, to the eyes and, and even to the touch, honestly. It looks like a kind of a, a vinyl, like a white vinyl. And behind the vinyl are magical little ink droplets which are electronically tossed up at this vinyl screen so that you see letters or shapes or you know whatever it's rendering on 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 the screen and it's really quite amazing it's i mean when you see it it really truly does it, it looks like paper has come to life like it is animated paper it's really really an amazing thing to witness and when i saw it i was pretty impressed when I found out that the battery life of such a device typically is a month on one charge, I was even more impressed because that's that's forever my my battle in life is battery life, as 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 it is with many people. Um, but I, I feel like, especially now that I'm into uh, GNU Linux, it just seems like I can do low-powered computing. I can handle that. So I keep thinking. Wouldn't it be really neat if there was a computer that was low-powered enough to preserve its battery life for a very long time? And one of the and there are such things, of course. But one of the one of the deal breakers there often is is that that array of pixels that that needs to refresh every sixty times a second or whatever it is, and it needs to be bright and and glowing and and vibrant, and and that often just kind of that that kills your battery. 
within hours rather than you know a week or a day or, or a month. So seeing the e-ink display, electronic ink being splattered up across it for your eyes to read, this appealed to me a lot. So I, I really liked the little Kobo in 905 or whatever it was that I have, 950, 905, whatever. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm actually having to pick up this episode from wherever I left off. I ended up getting onto a plane which was delayed. It was so very delayed that it made me miss my connecting flight from Houston to Auckland. And so the airline put me up in a hotel. So right now I'm sitting in Houston, Texas by a really, it's a gorgeous morning. It's about probably seven o'clock, whatever time zone I'm in. There's a highway just out my window, and it's just, it's gorgeous. Why all that's gorgeous, I don't know, but I just, I really, I think it's quite nice. I'm at some hotel not too far from the from the airport and got a, a free breakfast out of the deal and everything. It just unfortunately has delayed all of my travel for a solid 24 hours. So that's what, what I'm doing, but this should be a lot, a lot quieter is my point. I mean, you might hear some traffic noise, but... But generally speaking, at least we won't have the background announcements and music that you may have noticed in the previous recording. I haven't heard that recording yet, but I, 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 I felt like it was pretty loud. So anyway, the good qualities. I want to focus first on the good qualities of the Kobo in 905, whatever it was. So first of all, the e-ink. I've already talked a little bit about that. E-ink, really, really cool. I really like it. Big fan. It was slow. That doesn't seem like it's a good quality, but it it was certainly a quality. I didn't actually mind it, so I didn't want to put it in the bad column, so I'm putting it in the good column because I really did not mind it. I genuinely felt like it was as fast as it needed to be to do what it did. There are exceptions. For instance, I never was really comfortable opening up a PDF on the Kobo. Then again, I'm not really that comfortable opening up a PDF on several devices that they're just, I don't, believe that they're very good at what they purport to do now. They, they were very good at being digital paper, but everything else that they're used for, they do very poorly. So generally, I felt the Kobo had what it needed to in order to make reading possible, which is why I had the device. It was network independent. It never needed to be online. It never wanted to check in with anyone, call home, force me to go to the bookstore or anything like that. It just, after obtaining the device, I turned off the Wi-Fi. It was, it, it was never hooked up to a network at all and and it did fine for two years or whatever it was that I had it. It it never saw a network and never cared. It was Linux friendly. It mounted as a mass storage device. You could you could put things on both the internal SD card or the uh, external SD card that you may have brought yourself. I had a 32 gigabyte SD card, micro SD card held a lot of books. It, um, I, I never really did fill it up. I mean, I'm still using it today. And finally, it, it supports lots of formats. It, it does all the big ones, you know, the EPUBs and the FB2s uh, and TXTs and HTMLs. I think it does uh, Mobi, which are Kindle books, I think. I think it was with, you know, it has to have, it can't be a DRM to Kindle, I think, but but it could read Mobi uh, documents. And I think I think it had a function where it could do Adobe DRM things, but I never, I never bothered with that. Why would I? It did RTF, it did CBZ, CBR for comic books, and technically PDF. Technically, I mean, 
it would attempt to open a PDF. And if it's a small, you know, one-page PDF, it, it, it could work. It functioned. Again, I, I really didn't feel there was any shortage on the Kobo's part. I felt like it was a strong entry into the market, as they say. There were some bad things about it, though. Not deal breakers, but there were things to be aware of. It was slow to index books. So if, if, you know, if you put five new books onto its internal SD card, that generally didn't take too long. It would, it would discover those books. It would scan them, presumably, so that you could search their, the, the, through the texts. And then it would present you with, uh, the, with those books as, as items on your bookshelf or in your library. It was, however, admittedly slow in doing that. But man, was it really slow if you threw 32 gigs of books at it, or, or you know, 16 gigs. I, I, again, I, I never actually filled up that 32 gig SD card, so it, I didn't try 32 gigs. But I tried a, a, a big dump of books, like really, really a lot of books. And it took the thing literally overnight. And even at that, even the, the first attempt, like the very literal first attempt, like when I was, when I first got it and I didn't even know how to use it yet, I was just kind of, I guess I'll just throw all these books on here and plug it in and see what happens. And it wanted to work, but, and this is, so the other, the other problem with it is that it, it didn't really gracefully recover from invalid ebooks. So if you, through even just two books at it, one of which was a valid EPUB and one of which had some problem with the EPUB. Maybe it was an empty zip folder or maybe it was a corrupted something or another. Kobo would would not move past that 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 bad, that invalid ebook. And and I realize, I mean that it's kind of difficult to program a thing to to gracefully recover from an unexpected condition. I mean that to be fair that is difficult because if it's completely unexpected, then you, the, the, by very definition, you cannot have programmed to account for that because it is unexpected. You have never seen that problem before. Neither as the computer is it going to be able to continue past it. That's the trick. So there were several occasions where, for whatever reason, some EPUB that I threw at it was not a valid file and it would just bring the whole loading process to a halt. It just, it would hang on that one bad book unable to recover so that's problematic and then furthermore the the ux i guess was not as good as it could have been i mean it was nice and simple but the the fact that when you are reading a book and in order to turn a page you have to touch the screen which i know everyone's into touch screens right now so it's really hard to convince people that that's not the best U ui in the world and believe me it's not but that's what they had you do, so you touched the screen to turn the page. There's no other way to turn the page. You had to touch the screen. And to make matters worse, you had to touch the screen in the right place. Now, you have like 50% of the screen to hit, so technically it shouldn't be that bad. Not 50%, because there are some regions at the top and the bottom that did something different. So maybe, I don't know, 40% of the screen. Pretty big area, pretty big hotspot to touch to go forward, and then another 40% of that screen to go backwards. The problem is that forward and backwards are always mapped to right or left respectively, which admittedly, for most books, makes sense. On the other hand, other cases, you, when you're, for instance, using your other hand, it might not make as much sense. So for instance, if you're holding a Kobo with your left hand, which you might do, you have coffee in your right hand, so you're holding your e-reader with your left hand, and you think, okay, it's time to turn the page. Well, naturally, your thumb is right 
there on the far left of your ebook reader. You might not even be able to reach across the screen past the 40% to, to advance the page. So what ends up happening is that you have to put down whatever you've got in your right hand, touch the screen on the right to advance the page. And that's just stupid to me. It seems like if, if nothing else, there should be a function in there where you can go in. Preferably, it would be easy to navigate to. It wouldn't be something buried in a obscure preference menu and you could just be in you know left hand mode or right hand mode or whatever so that you can reverse the the sides and, and yeah it's not intuitive to touch the left side of a page to turn a page to the right i get that but it's not a matter of in, in of being intuitive it's it's a matter of i know which hand i have this ebook reader in i know which is most convenient for me if i'm holding it with my left hand then the left side of the screen is a lot more convenient to reach for me than the right side, even if it doesn't make logical sense when you sort of abstract it away from what's happening. Those are the, that's the good and the bad of the Kobo. So now I'm going to address the same things with what I eventually found. Book Classic 2. It is produced by a company called Arta Tech, A-R-T-A space T-E-C-H. Never heard of them. They are in Poland. Inside of this box, or the box that would have been inside the sleeve if it weren't in my backpack right now, is the Inkbook reader itself, a micro USB cable, and apparently some sample books, which I, I ignored completely. So the, the design of the Inkbook is, is, if you've ever seen any ebook reader ever it's pretty much the same deal it's it's a a book sized device with a little home button in the center middle of the of the casing there's a power button hidden away on the back took me a while to find that one to be honest but it's it's, it's back there it's actually pretty handy and and then a big old screen right in the middle and it is e ink that was a requirement. That's a hard requirement for an ebook reader for me. I wanted I wanted it to f sort of look like a book. I wanted I didn't want something bright and shiny and taking up a lot of battery power. I just want I want something very much like a book that I can put down, pick up, not worry about whether it's been charged lately. I, I really really wanted that. That was that's a an absolute must. So I wasn't looking at tablets. You know, I mean like traditional tablets that wasn't I had no interest in that and this is an e-ink device so it's got the nice paper ink on paper look the batteries benefit from that accordingly this is a this is quite a lot faster than the Kobo um, I hadn't really felt like I needed an upgrade in in performance for instance I really I, that was not on my radar at all I felt like the Kobo was as fast as it needed to be and yes I was I was cognizant of the fact that when I touched the the screen of the Kobo and you know and it turned the page you could you'd sort of see it clear the e-ink and then you would see the e-ink repopulate and then it would kind of solidify and then th there it would be but there were there were definitely three or four separate stages that you could you could really you noticed you know you kind of saw what was going on so it wasn't wasn't a completely smooth experience but I mean, neither is turning a page, if you think about it. Like, if you've got a book and you're turning the page, it, 
you see that happening, and it's not immediate. It's, it's not computer fast. So the fact that the Kobo took a little while to do something that in real life takes a while bothered me not at all. That said, the Inkbook Classic 2 is noticeably faster, smoother. I guess in that sense, it's, it's kind of nice. The processor specifically, again, just reading this stuff off the back of the box, is a dual-core Cortex-A9 1 gigahertz chip. And I don't know what that is uh, in terms of modern mobile phone technology. I don't, I don't know where that, would, where that would be. But, I mean, it's dual-core, so it's not too shabby. 1 gigahertz sounds pretty good to me. RAM memory. It's a little bit redundant, isn't it? Uh, 512 megabytes. So I don't know, again, I'm, I actually don't know what the Kobo amount of RAM was, but I, I feel pretty sh certain that, that this is a lot more. Now the e-ink, uh, the resolution is 800 by 600, so again, kind of gives you an idea of more or less the maximum sharpness and quality of what you'll see. The screen and the speed are both very much to my liking. Like the Kobo, it is basically network independent. Uh, I turned off the network, the, the Wi-Fi chip setting, immediately upon opening the device. Turned it right off. Have not turned it on in the week that I've owned it. So, or the two weeks, whatever it's been now. It hasn't made a difference. It, it hasn't complained. It doesn't pop up little messages about how, you know, there are Wi-Fi hotspots available or messages about how I should update. Nothing like that. It's, it's, it doesn't care that I'm not online and, and I see no reason at all for leaving it online since I do not intend to ever go online with it. So yeah, that was a, a pretty hard requirement as well. So that, that's very nice. It is also Linux friendly. It mounts as mass storage. You can put stuff onto the internal SD card or place things on an external SD card and put it in the SD micro, micro SD slot. And according to the back of the box, it supports a micro SD card up to 32 gigabytes, which is fortunate because that's what my SD card was, is 32 gigabytes. Format support is a little bit, a little bit actually worse than the Kobo. So the Kobo did lots, um, but the, the ones that I'm kind of thinking of were uh, CBZ and CBR, which are the comic book archives. I, I tend to use CBZ because none of my devices generally have um, RAR compression on them. Uh, unless I, you know, specifically take time out to, to load that stuff on, and, and I very rarely do. So I convert from CBZ to CBR and, and just keep the CBZ around. Unfortunately, the Inkbook does not support CBZ format. It, it supports something called CHM, which I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's related. Um, RTF, HTML, FB2, Text, Mobi, Adobe DRM which they, 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 the, the brand name for that apparently is Adept. It's, it's the most adept format because it is crippled. That's good marketing speak right there. EPUB and PDF with Reflow, and Reflow being PDF's desperate attempt to adapt to the fact that it's not, a, it's not an ebook format. So, so it's, a pretty, it's a pretty healthy support listing, I think, but, but it is actually less than the Kobo. But there's a footnote to that. There's a story about that, and I will, I will relay it uh, soon. But first, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, this is kind of out of the box, right? That's that's what you get out of the box. The um, oh, so I should mention battery life has been great. I have not charged it yet, so that's cool. 
Um, but but we should talk about the the bad, you know, what the Kobo had done bad, and and talk about how this thing compares to that. So I had said that the Kobo was slow to index books. This thing is not slow to index books. I don't know what it's doing. It maybe it's not indexing books. Maybe it is very cleverly indexing books in the background. Every time I, you know, every time as it's on, one of those cores is indexing. I don't know. I have no idea, but it is so fast. I, I, when I first took it out of the box, popped my SD card in there because I figured, well, I might as well find out now if this SD card needs to be reformatted and restructured and so on. And the, the moment I put the SD card in, they popped into my library and I was able to open a book and read it instantly. There was no delay. There was zero delay between putting an SD card of just randomly, not random, but to that ebook device, it surely must have seemed random organization of books and and it did it perfectly. It, it discovered everything, it presented them to me in the library view. It was perfect. It was flawless and was fast and that was really, really nice because as I said, Kobo was quite slow to do that and sometimes it would even crash whilst trying. This has not crashed on me yet, so no complaints there. I mean, I'm sure it'll happen. Something will something will be too big for it to open, or 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 it'll it'll encounter something that's invalid and it won't know what to do. But so far, yeah, it's it's been fantastic, and the UI is fantastic. So here's the thing about the InkBook Classic Two and its its uh, greater cousin, the InkBook Prime. They run Android, and that sounds really really crazy, and it sounded crazy to me. And it made me really nervous. I thought, why would I want to run an entire mobile operating system on something that is basically just a glory or should be a glorified text viewer? It's the hardware equivalent of less. It seemed really crazy to run Android on such a device. That seemed like overkill. And that was the main, when I was looking, when I was shopping around, that was the main thing that kind of made me hesitate. I really thought maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe I should just get something simple with a simple little custom interface that'll just present the text to me and that'll be all it does and it'll be slow and it'll be clunky and that's fine. But a little bit further research had me learn that this was running not just Android but something called Open Android and as everyone knows in marketing speak Open is always exactly what we want it to be. I didn't see any bad reviews of it, which doesn't really mean anything, but I don't know. I felt good about it, so I purchased it. I still don't know what open Android is because I haven't actually looked into it that much. I, I do intend to. I, I, I do want to know exactly what this is and why it exists and how I can get it. But it, it seems to be what I kind of thought it would be, which is Android with a bunch of the excess stripped out, including the Google bits, which is very nice, meaning that this requires no registration. So you can open this thing, take it out of the box, assuming it has a charge, mine did, you can you can start reading today. There's no registration hack involved. On the Kobo there was, you had to go in, you had to open up the SQLite database that told the Kobo device whether it had been registered or not, and you put in a fake name and a fake email address and I think a Boolean value just to say yes, it has been registered, don't bug the the user about that anymore and you were done but this is even easier because you take the thing out you don't have to do anything you just start using it so that's a huge huge advantage i think to well the kobo and and also over android in general 
So this says it's Android 4.2.2, and I know that sounds old and ugly and gross and not up to date. There are firmware updates on their website if you really, really want them. Again, mine is never online. I do not intend to update it anytime soon. I might. Maybe there's some improvements because I've noticed a couple of things that could be better, which I'll talk about in a moment. Bottom line is the OS is really nice. It really is. The, the UI is, is clearly tailored for the device. They, they actually thought about the fact that you know they're they're not using that this isn't going to appear on a on a tablet like with an LED screen or whatever LED display. It's e-ink. We know this. They adapt for it. That's good. They keep it very very simple. It's very pared down. If you go to your apps, there's like maybe four things there. So it's 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 clear that they did not just take something and just throw stock open Android or whatever you know from upstream and just assume that you'll be able to navigate around the parts that don't actually apply to you. The parts that don't apply to you just aren't there, so it's it's very nice. And there are lots of preferences very specific to the device that are there. So they took their time, they 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 designed a nice little ebook OS, which I think is really cool. Uh, hopefully it's also open source. I don't know. I have like, like I say I haven't actually looked into it all that much, so I'll have to to do more investigation and maybe mention it in some other episode. The cool thing about it being open Android, in theory, is that you could, for instance, case in point, comic book support. They don't have comic book support. I don't really read that many comics on my ebook readers, to be honest. I've I've read a few here and there, but generally I just I I want the full color. I, I read comic books on my computer or, or my, my mobile phone. It, it's not a must-have, but I, I kind of thought, well, it, would be kind of cool to have uh, some comic books on there, and I have, a, I have a couple of vintage comic books that I've gotten through either Humble Bundle or from um, this vintage comic book website, which is kind of really funny. It's got a bunch of old comics like Old Ellery Queen and Amazing, Amazing Stories and, and things like that. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's actually called Amazing Stories. I think there's something similar, you know, Weird Tales, that type of thing. So lots of vintage comics that, which are either very simple color or or sometimes just black and white, depending on, on what we're talking about. So I kind of thought it'd be kind of cool to have some of those just on hand. It doesn't open it. The Inkbook definitely does not open those files, and I, I did try. And so then I realized, well, I've got this Android application on my mobile phone called Bubble, B-U-B-B-L-E. It's open source, and they do have an APK. You can get it from free uh, what is it, uh, F-Droid. I thought, well, maybe if I download the APK for it, and put it on the SD card, and then open it from within the Inkbook Classic uh, UI, maybe it'll install it for me. And you know that's exactly what it did. I, I downloaded the APK, put it on the internal SD card uh, in the App Store cache or something like that. I, I don't think I had to put it there, but that's where I put it. And then I opened up a file manager from within the Inkbook, so just through the little built-in Android file system browser, and uh, clicked on the APK. It offered to install it. I clicked yes, and it installed the thing. So it was really, really cool. I was I'm running a comic book reader on the ebook reader now. Unfortunately, I still can't read comic books on the device, and uh, the reason is that Bubble assumes that you are using a phone, so it assumes that you have multi-touch available, so you can kind of zoom in and stuff like that. And and I just can't get this device to respond to that sort of input. So the more, no, no matter how hard I try to, to zoom into a, a panel, I just can't. I can't get it. And then I thought, well, I think on the mobile phone, if I double tap, it, it zooms in to sort of like that region more or less. 
And so I tried that, and all it did was turn the page twice. So, yeah, it's it's it forgot the zoom function, and there's not, as far as I can tell, there's no way around that. And I'm having the same problem with its PDF reader, actually. I can't really zoom into some of the things that I do have as PDF, which I thought, well, this thing seems to be able to handle PDFs, so let me try. And I tried, and it does open it, but you can't, you can't really zoom into it. And I, I poked around on the interface for a, a, just a sort of a global zoom function, but it just does not seem to, to exist. So a couple of quirks here and there. Maybe if I updated the firmware, maybe that would work. I don't know. Nice thing about the interface, though, that I really, really do like, aside from the OS being very slick and very well designed and intelligently designed, is the fact that on the side casing, on the sort of the very edge of the device, completely missed it the first time I took it out of the box and sort of was trying to figure out how to turn it on. They're, they're almost like volume buttons on a phone. You know how you've got like sort of that, that saddle switch or what? I don't know if that's actually a term, saddle switch, but you know that, that sort of, that toggle almost for up and down. It's on this device, on both sides of it. And I realized after messing around with it was that the buttons turn pages. Physical page turning buttons on a modern ebook reader. It is like they've gone so retro that they are progressive. It's it's beautiful, wonderful, it is easy to use, and it is on both edges of the thing. So you're holding it with your right hand, left hand, doesn't matter. You can always advance or go back a page with a physical button. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I still don't understand why anyone thinks it's a good idea to encourage people to touch the thing that they need to see and that they want to see with clarity. I'm sorry, but there are going to be smudges on that thing. There's going to be wear and tear. I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's a horrible idea. But there you go. The buttons are there. You no longer have to go poking at the screen that you use for your reading. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So that was a huge, huge selling point for me, honestly. And that is one of those things that they don't really, you know, they don't have like one of those red stickers on the front of the box that says, now with physical buttons as seen on TV it doesn't they don't, no one else seems to care about that i think it's amazing that's about it really i mean that's those are all the features that have so far leapt out at me and caused me to to honestly be pretty excited about the device i mean it's I don't know how how open source everything is i don't think it's open hardware i don't i don't know that they're redistributing their their ui you know i, I don't I, I really don't know a whole lot about the device because I, I like I say I did I had it for maybe a week maybe two weeks I don't really I don't I've lost track of time sufficiently at this point that I'm not clear but before I got it I didn't really know anything about it you know it was it was very much a I guess a blind purchase I just had no idea what I was in for it was kind of a a chance I was taking a definite chance on the thing but I'm really really pleased with it and I'm I'm, I'm happy to talk about it for a, a show because I think I think it's pretty frustrating when you go to buy something and and it seems like it's going to be a good thing and then you purchase it and it turns out to just you know there to be some kind of some kind of surprise some kind of gotcha where where for some reason none of the reviews online mention that one thing and and yet now you aren't able to use it you know for whatever reason so in my testing I think the thing w works really really well it's one of those devices well, that they just didn't screw up, you know? I mean, you there are so many things out there that are so simple, and you just think, how could they possibly screw that up? I mean, it's that's been around for ages. There's just no way to improve on that, and there's no way to make it worse. And yet, there are products out there that, 
that find a way to make something s stupid and annoying. And this is not stupid or annoying. It, it's it's really good. It does exactly what you would expect an ebook reader to do. It is friendly to Linux. It's running Android. I'm recommending it. And um, yeah, I don't usually talk about products. I don't think I don't do do product reviews on this show by any means uh, because I don't really enjoy getting products. But but I didn't have a whole lot of choice in this case. Uh, and now that I have, I don't know. Yeah, if you're looking for an ebook reader, th this is something to definitely definitely consider. Inkbook Classic Two. Okay, that's it. I'm gonna go um, get some work done because I work remotely now, so I can actually work as I sit in my Houston hotel room doing nothing, I can actually be productive. So that's what I'm going to go do. And I thank you for listening and I will talk to you next week. Cast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Augcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time.